Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, Lenten Preaching Edition, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church, recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. Good morning, or good afternoon. I'm so happy to be a part of this Lenten series here at Calvary Church. Having been a part of it for many, many years, I'm thrilled to be invited again to join you this year for Lent. I want to start today with reading a passage from Luke's Gospel, toward the end of the Gospel when Luke is describing what happened to Jesus at the very end of his life when he was actually hanging on the cross. This is the 37th chapter of Luke's, uh, in the Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, verse 37. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him vinegar and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged next to him said, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. About 50 years ago, when I was a young pastor, the Episcopal Church was in the process of revising and amending its cherished Book of Common Prayer. It's a routine procedure to make such changes about every generation. One change that was proposed back then was to change the language that had been traditionally used for consecrating or making a new bishop. The new language proposed, and only for trial or experimental use, asked the entire congregation to exclaim, he is worthy. He, because we had no women bishops back then, and at that point in the service, they would stand up and say, he is worthy. For those churches who tested this trial service, the reaction was swift and negative. No one is worthy, came their outcry. And eventually, the proposed congregational acclamation, he is worthy, was dropped from the final edition of the revised Book of Common Prayer, which we use today. When we study the life of Jesus, it's remarkable the number of times he literally makes people feel worthy. He does not use that word worthy itself, but that's clear message in his words and in his actions. 
Let's look at some of those biblical moments. Remember in John's gospel, the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, she was drawing water for the day. She was anything but worthy. Married five times, and she currently was not even married to number six. But her encounter at that well with Jesus created in her worthiness that made her head back home totally a different person and convincing her whole town to insist Jesus remain with them for a couple of days. Or that lad with five loaves and two fish offering his lunch to help feed the crowd of 5,000. He was told, what is that among so many? And yet Jesus made his meager lunch offering worthy to feed the entire group of followers. Or the woman caught in adultery and dragged out in front of a group of angry men. Her death by stoning was about to happen. With a few words to the men about who was without sin, therefore who could throw the first stone, he made her worthy of a new life. Or Zacchaeus, a hated tax collector for the Romans, watching Jesus from his perch up on a limb of a sycamore tree, was beckoned by Z Jesus. Zach, shinny down from that tree. I want to have dinner with you tonight. The worth that Jesus affirmed in Zacchaeus that night changed his life. Or the woman described as a sinner Although not invited, she made her way into the Pharisee's home where Jesus had joined guests and was reclining for dinner. She fell at his feet, weeping. And while wiping her tears from his feet with her hair, the others condemned her presence. Instead of joining the others in the condemnation, he pronounced to her, your sins are forgiven, granting her new worth. These are just a few of the many encounters the Bible records of Jesus giving worth to those the world deemed unworthy. These exchanges really happened, but when Jesus turned to storytelling and made up fictional tales and parables, his explanation of worthiness is, is, is almost shocking. We wonder if he actually went too far, say, in the prodigal son story. Half of the entire family wealth was wasted by the prodigal. And yet the father saw the son returning, and when he saw him, he ran to welcome him. Scholars tell us that no Middle Eastern man ever ran anywhere. The sheer and utter grace of the Father granted worthiness to his Son. The other most popular story Jesus told is, as we all know, commonly referred to as the story of the Good Samaritan. There was nothing good about a Samaritan Jews and Samaritans had so much hostility 
they actually wash their coins during a financial transaction before they would even touch them. So for Jesus to describe a fellow Jew having been robbed and beaten and lying on the road, needing help and ignored by two fellow Jews as they passed by on the other side of the road, then making instead the hero of the story, a despised Samaritan, must have made his Jewish listeners cringe. Not only did the Samaritan assist in helping the wounded victim, but paid the nearby innkeeper enough money for lodging and then added, if it costs more to care for him, put it on my bill and I'll pay you the rest when I return. I would propose that we should rename this story the worthy Samaritan. When Jesus was asked to name the most important law of all the laws, we know what his answer was. Love God, love your neighbor. In today's world, this word love has been captured by those who use it for its romantic meaning. I might even say the word has been hijacked to love another person in our popular culture has come to mean you must like them. You must find them attractive. You must discover what you might have in common with them. We know this is almost impossible with some people we may encounter. I'd like to propose to you that when Jesus acted out loving a neighbor, he was actually giving worth to that neighbor. These biblical image, images that we have just recalled were moments when folks were made to feel worthy, made to feel accepted, made to feel of value, despite what their peers might have thought of them. You see, that's what you and I are called by God to do pass on to others, if you will, worthiness. When we do that, we are creating a Jesus moment in real time, a transforming moment. Desmond Tutu had his entire life changed by just such a moment, a simple gesture. An Anglican monk, Father Trevor Huddleston, was walking down the street and passed Tutu as a young boy walking beside his mother. The monk tipped his hat to Mrs. Tutu as he passed, showing his respect to a woman. That moment when Father Huddleston acknowledged her worthiness gave young Desmond the desire to be like that monk, and eventually he named his own son after the monk, Trevor. Let's pause for just a moment and reflect on what actually happened here. Mrs. Tutu, a black woman, was granted worth by a white South African man 
And all he did was tip his hat her way. That simple action so profoundly influenced her young son that we need to pause and appreciate the significance of that brief, grace-filled moment. Her son, as we all know, became a priest, became a bishop, became an archbishop, became a leader against apartheid, and became the recipient of a Nobel Peace Prize. Yet even today, Bishop Tutu continues to refer to this wonderful transformational moment that changed his life when he witnessed, witnessed a white man treat his mother as worthy. It's almost scary to realize how much we can change the life of someone else when we offer God's love in its most beautiful form, worthiness. A few months ago, I visited the home of American poet and biographer, Carl Sandburg. At one point in his life, he said, the worst word in the English language is the word exclusive. We find ourselves hearing and using this popular word in many areas of our lives and rarely or hopefully never in the church because our business in the church is antithetical to the word exclusive. We are here to give worth, never exclude others from our own worth-giving power. Our world today is struggling mightily with who is worthy and who is not worthy. We're constantly seeing pictures of folks who look different, who sound different, who act differently. Granting them worth in our eyes is a huge challenge. It actually may be the ultimate challenge for our current world. Going back, way back in history, can you imagine what it was like in about 325 AD for the Roman Emperor Constantine the Great to realize the number of Romans who were joining the Christian movement and being baptized? His big question was, were they worthy in his eyes? His decision to grant those early Christians their worth change the Western world forever. Every time one of us experiences true acceptance, that profound sense of feeling worthy, our world is changed. Unfortunately, for many, that sense of profound acceptance is rare but it is truly a spiritual high when it comes to us as a gift. 
As a boy, along with many of my peers, I joined the Boy Scouts of America, a local group that met in the First Baptist Church. The scout motto, do a good turn daily, caught my young imagination and I enjoyed sharing at the meeting, as did the other boys, one of my good turns during that past week. Make someone feel worthy daily. That might be a good motto for you and me. We don't think of ourselves as purveyors of worthiness, but that's exactly what Jesus meant when he gave us that sense of share your worthiness with others. And every time you share that worthiness with another, the angels in heaven rejoice. No, no, better yet, Every time you share that worthiness with another, Carl Sandburg gives you a thumbs up. 100 years after we declared our independence in 1776, the people of the nation of France sent us the Statue of Liberty to commemorate this anniversary. The poetic words inscribed at her base, we've all heard. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore, Send these, the homeless tempest-tossed, to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. At the very end of Jesus' life, he was hanging on the cross with a seemingly worthless bandit on a cross at his side, and he turned and declared to the bandit, Today you will be with me in paradise. He says no less to you. He says no less to me. You are worthy. Amen. Let us pray. And now, O oh God, in this holy season of Lent, pour into our hearts such a measure of your grace that during these 40 days, we may offer to a neighbor a Jesus moment when we share the word of your good news and make our neighbor know you are worthy. Amen. The Calvary Podcast theme music was composed by Spence Bailey. Special thanks to Robin Banks, Director of Communications at Calvary, 
and Heidi Rupke, Lenten Preaching Series Coordinator. And thanks to you for listening. If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.